0: So we want, to, we want to look at, at Philippians again, and um, I want to remind you where we've been. We've been, first week we talked about Paul making emphasis that, you know, for him to live as Christ, to die as gain, that the center of his joy is the person of Jesus Christ, right? And so that was the first week, the joy that, that comes with making Christ the center. Secondly, we talked last week about the humility that Paul, in light of the joy that they have in Christ, rejoicing in Christ, that they're called to walk in humility with one another, And he references that great hymn that probably we predated Paul where it it talks talks about Jesus' own humility and how he was willing to submit himself, that he didn't compare being equal with God to be grasped but emptied himself and took on the form of a servant and submitted himself even to the cross and how God has exalted him, right, that at all the name of Christ, every knee should bow every tongue confess that Christ is Lord. So that's the way Paul ends the, the passage we talked about last week uh, about the, the, the example of humility. But this sort of begins for Paul um, to, to, to bring in mind. As Paul's writing, he's probably dictating. So he's more of a preacher than he is a letter writer. Paul begins to think about his own testimony. And so this week, Paul's going to turn a little bit more into his own testimony and encourage his friends, the Philippians to press on, to have perseverance in terms of seeking after the Lord. Last week after Jody and I left the service, um, we went home and took a nap and got ready for a wedding, an outside wedding, a socially distanced wedding outside, but we went to a wedding nonetheless. And it was the wedding of a, a young, well, she used to be a young girl, now she's 25, who grew up with our daughters um, and daughters. Was uh, like a half a year older than one of our girls and a half a year younger than one of our girls, and so uh, Jenny played with Charlie and Samantha all the time. And um, as we were there, I was thinking, you know, it's interesting because when you've known people that long—nearly, gosh, eighteen years—you you you see a lot of people that you've lost contact with. We we sold that house and moved and such and such, and and now so now you're seeing people you haven't seen in a long time, and there's always that temptation isn't there when you see people you haven't seen in a long time to sort of do sort of a mental checklist you know like how am I doing you know um, like how's my career gone um, where are we living now and uh, how are our children particularly with particularly with us you know it's this how how are our children are doing right if you've got adult children you know do you have anything to brag about do you have a grandchild it's always that leg up if you got the grandchild, if you can be the first to say that. But you go through all these different things and, you know, it's, it's very easy to play this comparison game to, uh, to if you will, give out your resume. I, I know you guys are more godly than me, but this is what a broken, sinful person does when they, they engage with people they haven't seen for 20 years. It reminded me of uh, going to class reunions, which, by the way, I don't do. But uh, I went to my five-year class reunion, and there was a little bit of that, but mostly Jacksonville, five years after graduation, most of the people hadn't done anything worth bragging about. And it was just sort of who's starting to lose their hair, or who's got a pot belly, or you know who married, what's, what's her name, or whatever. So that kind of a thing. But there's this, this, this back and forth. And if you think about it, in those social situations, a lot of times there's two temptations, either to play the comparison game, Or just to say, forget the whole thing, let's just drink and dance and pretend like all the problems of life aren't there, right? So you probably saw, you've seen these types of people, right? The people who want to compare and then the people who want to just sort of go, Forget about life, and they're usually the excessive drinkers and the excessive dancers at, at these kind of social events. Just trying to eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die, that sort of mentality. Am I, am I, is this landing? Are you hearing this a little bit? So, Now, where in the world, Alex, are you going with this? Okay, well, here's where I'm going. As Paul begins to talk in Philippians 3 to these, to these dear friends, remember, he's, he's planted this church. He loves these folks. He's visited this church multiple times. Paul wants to remind them of these two pitfalls that there is out there. And he wants to make sure that they are continuing to press forward with Christ, to live in a life of pursuing Christ, which is what he talks about. So just. You know, kind of hold on to what I was talking about before and and look at what Paul says there as he picks up in verse 14. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we've obtained, and this is Paul's kind of fancy way of saying, "I, I, I want us to, I want you to persevere in seeking after after Jesus, and to and to and to make Him your goal, your focus, to be working almost like an athlete." with a one single goal of getting to this place of, of being with Christ, of knowing him fully. Paul wants to, to do this. He wants to see this happening for the Philippians as well. He said earlier, you didn't have these verses today, but he says, not that I've obtained it or that I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind And straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on. And that's what Paul wants them to do as well, to press on towards Christ, to make him the focus and center of their lives. But there are these two pits that we can easily fall into, now, the first pit Paul talked about back in verses 2 through 9 of Philippians chapter 3. And so, you, again, you didn't get this. In, in some ways, this probably should have been a five-week sermon series because you really—but I'm going to try to catch you up a little bit. Paul has—he's he, talked about Christ emptying himself, taking on the form of a servant— then Paul talks about a guy named Epaphras, who is from Philippi, who also lives this very Christ like life, who was willing to give his life. He's gone to be with Paul. He almost died. Paul says, I'm sending him back to you with Timothy so you can be encouraged by him. But here's Epaphras, who's living a Christ like life. And then Paul kind of gets into his own testimony. And he, he talks about these, these people who, who take confidence in the flesh, who, are, who look to the law, and folks that wanted to insist that Christians needed to be circumcised to be more Jewish. And if you know anything about Paul's theology, this comes up over and over again. And Paul talks about all the ways that they, these folks, these, these opponents, have had confidence in the, in the flesh. Confidence in the law. And these are the overachievers that I was talking about earlier. These are the, these are the folks that want to compare resumes with you and, and talk about how much they've achieved. And, and it's, it's all about, as Tim Keller says, trying to to get our own salvation, trying to make our own salvation. Trying to say, my life is worthy. There was a movie years ago. Um, I, know, I know you know this movie because it's, it plays every Memorial Day. But... Uh, uh, saving Private Ryan. Remember Saving Private Ryan. And the uh, the most gripping scene for me is the end, where the old man is. He's in Normandy, and he's looking at all the the fallen soldiers, and he says, he turns to his wife, and he says, "Tell me I'm a good man. Tell me I've lived a good life. In other words, tell me that all the things that these guys sacrificed so that I could be here is worth it. it it's that. It's that." desire to earn, to achieve, to be worthy, to say, I'm a worthy person because of A, B, C, D, and if you've got a really good life, you can talk about F, G, H, L, M, N, O, P, you know, as far as you can go. Paul says, no, he says, all those things, he says, if anybody has anything to brag about, resume, I do, and he goes through the whole list. But he says, all those things that I would have counted as gain, I count as loss, They are rubbish to me. They're of no account. I count them all lost. All I want to do is to know Christ, to be known by him, to share in his sufferings that I may obtain his resurrection. That's what Paul says, everything that, that before verse 10, I, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, that I may share his suffering, that I may be like him in his death, that by any means possible I may obtain the resurrection of the dead. Paul is saying all of that achievement, all of that, that, that seeking after something that, that says I'm worthy in and of myself, Paul says it's a dead end and I've, I've died to it. And he says, I want you Philippians to die to it as well in a lot of ways paul now is sort of saying in a way his life is now reflecting jesus's life because jesus didn't try to grasp and obtain equality with god but emptied himself and took on the form of a servant and so christ died to the things that that he could have he could have grasped for or held on to or could said no i'm the, i'm the i'm i'm the god of the universe i i will not submit to humanity and, and the cross and everything about his life and, and yet Jesus empties himself and Paul begins to share his own testimony to say, I too have counted those things as loss and I've taken on the form of a servant and I've offered my life and I've been willing to enter into Christ's suffering. And so Paul begins to say, my life has taken on a cruciform which is a fancy theological way of saying I've learned to deny myself, to take up my cross, to follow Jesus. Now, it's important to know that because what Paul says in a couple of verses is that he wants them to imitate him. My brothers, join me, verse 17, and keeping your eyes on those who walk in the example you have with us. So, Paul says, imitate me. Other places he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul is not saying, look, I'm I'm perfect. Do it just the way I do it. What Paul is saying there in the context of Philippians 3 is follow me and learning to live in the example of Christ, to die to myself, to take up my cross and to follow him, to not grasp for those things that I can say, hey, this is why my life is worthy. This is why I deserve to be, you know, to be considered a good person. Paul says I've died to those things. Those are those are a loss to me. To know Christ, to enter into his suffering, and to and to aspire to wait for his salvation ultimately in the resurrection, Paul says, this has become the everything for me. The other is a dead end. Paul says, I don't want you to fall into that ditch. Now, I've just caught you up a little bit, so now, now you've got the context of what Paul says. But then Paul talks about the other pit, and he talks about that in verse 18. For many of whom I often have told you now, I tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, they glory in their shame, and their minds are set on earthly things. These are the eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, people." They are enemies of the cross of Christ. Friends, at the cross, we say that God so loved the world that he gave his life, that that his willingness to come and die as a sacrificial, atoning sacrifice for us, that this is the heart of, of God's revelation to us, that he loves us that much. Paul says there are those who reject that. Who are enemies of the cross, and I don't think these are the same people. It doesn't seem as if they're the same people that Paul's talking about when he talks about these Judaizers, these circumcisers, these people who take all this this uh, trust in the in the uh, in their in the law and their ability to achieve and to and to make their own way. Paul seems to be talking about a separate group because look at what they what they they're. Their end is destruction. It's a, their day, way is a day, dead end as well. But look at the middle there. Their, their God is their belly. <laughs> their God is their belly. That's a very descriptive term, isn't it? It was actually a food network. Jody, we were talking about this earlier. It's actually a network devoted to food. Just, I mean, what do you think the Apostle Paul would say about that? I mean, my gosh. A whole network devoted to food. And this one to sports and blah, 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 you know. But, you know, there's, there's all these things, but their God is their belly. They, they basically, they've given themselves completely to those things which, which pleasure them, which give them a sense of, of relief in this world, the, uh, distractions, things that, 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 will, that will fill me up for a moment, they glory in their shame, the things they should be shameful about. Shameful about, they glory in those things. There used to be a TV show on MTV. I can't even say the title because it's it's it's, it's it would be inappropriate. But I, I just I used to think about that show sometimes. and think these are things that people should be embarrassed that anybody would see, and these guys are filming themselves. Right? They, they glory in their shame. And then he ends it, their minds are set on earthly things. Now, this is not that sort of, you know, too heavenly minded to be of any earthly good. This is Paul saying all they can see is earthly things. All they can see is temporal things. Eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. Paul says, also a pit that I want you to avoid, Philippians. I don't want you to fall into either of these. Rather, Paul says, I want you to understand that the way of joy is the way of humility. Centered on Christ, taking up in and of yourself the cruciform life. To Paul's prayer for the Philippians, these dear friends in Christ, is that they too, at verse 10 says, would know Christ and the power of his resurrection, sharing in his suffering that they may be like him in his death, that by all means possible, they may obtain the resurrection of the dead. Paul says, don't forget, verse 20, your citizenship is in heaven Your hope is already set. Your future is already declared in Christ Jesus. Christ, who gave himself, who was raised on the third day, is the first fruits of the resurrection. And one day you too will participate. And God, Paul says, will glorify your body just as Christ himself was glorified. Paul says, that's your future, that's your hope. Remind, remember, just like Paul says, remember he talked, we talked before about the fact that this was a colony of Rome, to remember that, that even though you're over here in Macedonia, that you're a colony of Rome, act like it. Paul says, you are a colony of heaven, act like it. Your citizenship is hope. That's the future that you have. But at the same time, live in the present. Live now in this place. Live as citizens of heaven in the place to which God has placed you. Now, there are people who, are, who just sort of say, I, I was waiting for Jesus to come back and take me. I'm done. You know that, That's not Paul at all. Remember, Paul says to live is Christ. And Paul says, it would be a gain for me to die, but I know that the Lord is going to keep me here because it's going to benefit you more. That was chapter one. Paul is not, a, is, is not sort of saying forget about this world. Paul's saying live with the expectation, the hope, that your citizenship is in heaven, even as you operate in this world. The mindset is the future. But you're engaged today living for Christ and knowing, and I think this is an important thing, to to remember that everything Christ calls you to suffer is purposeful. And in that way, and I don't know what your way is, and for me to try to give you an example would be, you would get distracted by my example, but we know if we've come to know Christ, we know the things that he has called us to sacrifice, to suffer, to give up. We know what it's cost us to be a follower of Christ. Like Paul renouncing his place in Judaism. Tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day, Pharisee of Pharisees. We know what our things would be. Those are, those are worth worthy Those are, it's worth it. Whatever the Lord has calls you to suffer, whatever he calls you to give up, to pursue him in this world with your hope set on eternity is worth it. Period, end of the story. This gospel that you saw lived out in the other three verses, you know, this this God creates a people for himself, which is that vine in Isaiah 5, but that vine is disobedient and God takes away the barriers and lets the lets the vineyard be destroyed and then the psalmist says why God did you remove the barriers and it's 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 because God allows the circumstances of our lives to, to be such that he it draws us back to him and then and then here's Jesus telling the parable in the New Testament of of a master who has a vineyard and and these servants who come and and say just just you're, it's my vineyard, give me the fruit I deserve. And, and what do they do? They beat up the servants and they kill some of the servants and then they even kill the son. And Jesus says, I am the son. And I love you and I'm willing to offer myself for the sins of the world. Because there's no greater purpose in all of the universe than to live out sacrificial love. And that's what I'm demonstrating to you. And Paul says, this is the, this is the life that we're called to live. Imperfectly, progressively. The hardest thing is to say, I, I died all these things, and yet, Lord, you haven't told me to give them up. I, I have to somehow have wealth, even though I'm told to renounce it. I, I have a beautiful wife and great kids, even though I'm told I, I can't place my, my joy or my, my security in them. I, so to hold all things lightly, but, but it's this pursuit, willingness to suffer whatever the Lord has for you. And I do believe every Christian is called to suffer the loss of things. The gospel is costly. It cost us as a community to leave a building that was paid for on a prominent corner in Gainesville and live as nomads for eight years, nine, ten years. But it's worth it. Not just because he gave us a bigger building and a better building, but because he was worth it. The, uh, the wedding that we attended, um, this little girl that we've known since she was a second grader, um, her family was, they would describe themselves as cultural Catholic, not really active in their faith. We grew up down the street from them and, and the family was uh, in our lives, we were in their lives and um, in lots of different ways, but we took a little bit of ridicule. You know, they didn't understand why we didn't celebrate Halloween and things like that, and we took our own stances and things like that. This young lady was never a part of our congregation, but we were in relationship with her. She did come to camp one year, and, but by the grace of God, this young lady professed faith in Jesus and became a devout follower of Christ and is a devout follower of Christ Is a 25-year-old woman. And in the process of the last 18 years, she's seen her family all come to a place of renewed faith in Jesus. They've all committed in a more lively faith to be followers of Jesus. She's transformed her family, which is not easy to do if in a family. Now she's a campus minister down at Florida Gulf Atlantic College. Or Florida Gulf, not Atlantic College, but whatever that. The one that's like in Fort Myers, whatever that's called. Yeah, far far to Gulf Coast University. You know, for me, that just becomes the picture of the Christian life. You know, investing in people, sacrificing, including them, enduring hardship, enduring ridicule at times, but that you might see young men and women... People, come to faith in Jesus, come to know him as Savior and follow him and learn that same joy in humble serving and sacrifice. Paul says, press on. Press on. It is worth it. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.